to the Teep Tife. My old mate, he's finally got power again. He's uh, survived the disaster zone. We shouldn't joke about it. Two people did die. It's pretty full on. But how are you, my old mate, Mick? Yeah, look, it is nice to have uh, modern conveniences back, you know, electricity and light, heat and old mate internet. Yeah, it was a long week, I'm not going to lie. Well, let's be uh, honest. I don't know yeah, what Victorians did. did. Like, we cursed, like, at this point. Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, very cursed, yeah, yeah. Someone's sold out, the state's sold to the devil for, for a ludicrous amount because we're getting smashed at the moment, left, right and centre. Well, I mean, locusts are probably coming next week. Like At this rate, I mean, we had bushfires back in the 19 and then pretty bad 20 and then the worst pandemic in 100 years and then now we've got floods and all the power outs and there's no drinking water for like four or five suburbs in the hills. Like, it's pretty horrendous. Anyway, yeah, those places, some of those places don't won't get power back for up to three weeks because they've got to rebuild infrastructure. Yeah, very lucky because it's not far from my house. Like I, I could walk a K, and that's where it all starts. So, yeah, very fortunate that it was only a week for me. Um, yeah, feel for for those people up there that um, yeah, whose lives that were already pretty strained with the the lockdowns, and now they've can't no do much more except uh, yeah. Hopefully they've got loved ones and family and friends that they can lean on for a bit. Hopefully the insurance companies are being uh, responsible and, and communicating quickly to getting people money so they've got um, accommodation as well. I've, I've been following it as much. I've been pretty flat chat. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, it's obviously pretty pretty full on. So for those who aren't aware in other states potentially or other parts of the world, both of us are, um, as you, I'm sure you probably all know by now, listeners are, that we're both based in Melbourne, but... Um, there were really terrible storms about what is a week and a bit ago now and, and yeah, so essentially it really damaged a lot of infrastructure and all sorts of things. So, yeah, thoughts are obviously with those who, who passed but also, um, yeah, all the, all the people that have been affected as well. Uh, as a result of that, and this is why we you know, brought some light to it to some degree, uh, if that's possible, is uh, no power means no television or internet. So you were back to the Stone Age through, <laughs> and through the go, weekends. Yeah, and uh, um, yeah, not being able to travel too far. Um, yeah. Well, and couldn't really go anywhere to watch it anyway. So No, you couldn't go to a game either. So, well, the, literally, like the roads were, you know, I, I had um, I had people tell me that like there were sections of the, of the, the hills you physically couldn't drive to. I think there's still quite a few yeah. you still can't drive to. They're telling people not to come because it's just so chaotic. So I, I live yeah. a bit of a distance away from that. I, I'm, I've been fine, but a lot of people have had it obviously significantly worse. But as a result of that, we're going to have a lot more uh, of a broader discussion tonight because obviously um, it was very – I watched a bit of football, um, but for you know yourself, obviously – it's, we'll keep it a bit sort of broader given that, you know, obviously it was well, literally impossible to watch the games. But uh, yeah, big thanks to the sponsors. Sorry, go, go. I was just going to say, as Murphy's Law would have it, I can't watch the footy and my team wins for the first time in six weeks. Fantastic. That is true. I actually hadn't put that together. Oh, that's ridiculous. Uh, yes, but um, yes, as you're saying, uh, shout out to the old mates at Hops to Home. Hops to home. Actually, take actually drinking something from the this month's pack. Oh, okay. What is it? Yeah, little little bang beers. Um, oh, yeah. Inside voice, the uh, foreign extra stout, which is uh, my type of beer. Uh, I love stout, but especially when it's only eight degrees outside, it's very very nice to 
training out while uh, talking about the footy. Yeah, I'm not. I have met them. Um, I was at a function when they were there. They came across like really nice guys, and they're from the Adelaide Hills. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've had a few of their beers, and they've always been really good. So uh, mm. yeah, hopstohome.com.au. Please check out our um, great sponsor, Craft Beer Delivery Service. You can get a $25 discount on your first pack as well um, using the promo code AFL Deep Dive. Great way to drink fresh craft beer. Delivered straight to your door. They collect um, all cans uh, in a sort of simple pack. Um, buy beer from all across Australia and pack it all out to you for a monthly or bi-monthly as well. I don't know, but definitely as a minimum monthly subscription. Um, yeah, it's a delicious way to have craft beer and not have to leave the house. It's very convenient. So, all right, we'll start at the top and then, yeah, we'll just let the conversation go. But um, sure. it's probably going to go into a lot of random areas. But <clears throat> So... The Port Cats game, and I'll obviously try and not be the only one talking because I saw, I saw the games. But the Port Cats game, like it, it did feel like from the, the start, Geelong were going to win this. I thought, like I know Port came back, they took the lead late, but Geelong just looked so good. And I think you know we've both been a bit well, more me, more me has been probably a bit more not as convinced on. The Cats, I've been a little bit sort of like, mm, I'm not so sure that they're as good as, as people say they are. They've had a couple of good games, but then they've had a few very scrappy wins as well. Um, and they've won a couple. I would say they've probably won two games that they're, they're a little lucky to have won. So as a result of that, uh, until this game, I was not really as convinced. But after having seen it, I saw it from, from start to finish, luckily. And... Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I think, one of the absolute clear best teams in it. And if they play like that, they're going to go very, very deep. Um, they've just got so many options, as, as we've spoken about. But when they're all up and about, it's, I mean, it's just so damaging. They've got so many opportunities to goal. Hawkins' efficiency early was amazing. Duncan looks like he's playing as good football as he was last year. Um, the big thing was Geelong just dominated in the air. They really took it away from, from Port Adelaide and, 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 and made it a lot harder. And Gary Rowan, again, had a really good game. I know we, well, I joked a little bit the other week saying, yeah, yeah, like this happens every, you know, eight weeks where he looks like the GOAT and then, you know, everyone's like, wow, imagine play like every week and it's always like, yeah, yeah, same old story. <clears throat> I'm not saying he's done it every single week, but it's a lot more consistent. So as a result of that, if he's doing it every two or three games, it means you're probably going to get at least a final, <clears throat> if not, excuse me, if not two finals, where he's going to dominate. And that is a massive difference to last year where, you know, Danger, I mean, to put it into perspective, last year they relied heavily on Dangerfield offensively and that was a problem. And obviously they addressed that very quickly with um, Isaac and uh, obviously Cameron, you know, all the obvious elements to it. But he literally can't even get into that forward line now. <laughs> Like, it's, it's so yeah, stacked, yeah. this Brownlow medalist who, yes, we, and we, as we've commented over the years, is a pretty choppy set shot kick, but he's still takes a very good defender. He can have his days where he'll kick a bag, so he is still dangerous. He is not great in big games, let's be honest, particularly finals uh, offensively, but um, he is still Patrick Dangerfield, who's, you know, particularly when they play. The best times last year were when he played high, high, high half forward and, and create those assists with his speed and stuff like that. Now he's doing that from the centre. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they are stacked beyond belief. There's some very good players that can't even get in that side. So Exactly right. And, and look, and, and, and this is where we'll see 
uh, Rowan's consistency coming in now that Cameron's solidified himself in that forward line with Tom, Tom Hawk. Yeah. It means Rowan gets the third defender, not the second, not the first. Mm. So he's always, I guess, struggle when he's got a really good defender on him, um, whether it be like Richmond West Coast for the last few years have had dominant um, back lines where they can have most of the forwards of a team uh, accounted for and one might get off the um, off the lead a little bit. But now that they've got to try and contain three plus a fairly mobile and potent on ball brigade we've seen, um, Guthrie, Danger, uh, notable goal kicks, but now Duncan's getting on there and then a goal is starting to kick goals. Then he's bringing Brian Myers. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty pretty potent forward line and well balanced. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I, look, yeah, I was a bit standoffish about Cats early on in the year, um, not knowing what that would look like bringing these new players as good as those players are. Um, you know, Isaac Smith, Cameron, and um, who's the old mate they got in from the Dogs? Oh, from North, sorry. North, oh, Higgins, Higgins. Higgins, yeah. Um, he plays the Adelaide role. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's starting to, to oh. gel very nicely. So that, And, yeah, Port Adelaide question mark, question mark. It's been question mark after question mark for the last month. And, you know, they just do not seem to be performing like, well, not like I thought um, this time of year. Yeah, we'll get into Port for sure. Just before we um, get off Geelong, I, the thing about it is they've got now I'm convinced that they'll have a couple of slip games, but you can't play like this, surely, and and choke it at the end. Like They're just looking too good, and the reality is they've got all the hallmarks of a great team in that they... And they were you know, the great finalists last year, but you know they've got it again in that, and I think better. They're clearly a better side than last year. Um, you know, Cameron with five goals as a bare minimum is clear, clearly uh, makes you a better side. But even outside of that, you know, they it all. The reality is, it's like it all doesn't have to all work for them to win. And that's the you know always a hallmark of such a good side when they don't all have to. Sorry, your microphone's just um, scratching on your jacket a bit. That's all. Um, yeah, they don't, it all it all doesn't have to win if that or work. Sorry, to to make it win, <laughs> like that's to make it simple. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Higgins Higgins' role cannot work, and they win. Do you know what I mean? Like, bits and pieces can just simply not work on the day. But yeah, look, the game had a lot of ebbs and flows. Um, it, it was a really good game to watch. Um, it was a weird game. Like there was passages where you know Port would completely dominate, and then there'd be like a a battle. And then there'd be a period there where Geelong would completely dominate and then there would be a battle for the ball. Again, like it just kept, like, it had a lot of really tight um, pieces. But, um, yeah, look, I think taking Boak out of the game was very effective. Um, they tagged Boak completely out of the game and he was very frustrated by the end. And he's, I think, probably Port's best player. And um, Ollie Wines wasn't as damaging as well. He's had a very good year. He's still pretty good, but... Um, well, they had weird elements to it, like you know, Rosie had four goals in the first, and I was like, "Wow, this kid is a you know a joker." And then yeah, they they obviously switched defenders around, and um, he didn't have he only finished with well, I mean, he was still pretty good, but he finished with five, so only kicked another goal beyond that. But the, the, look, the margins should have been bigger than this. They shouldn't have been. Catch should have been in a position where, and this does worry me slightly, but it's fine. Like. The Cats shouldn't have been in a position where Port could hit the front in the fourth. Um, there was a lot of chances in the second and the third that they blew, but 
they probably should have capitalized on a bit more. But there's actually a well umpired game too. It was a completely side note. Like I, there's very few games I've seen this year that were well umpired, but I actually think this was really well umpired for both sides. I, I, I don't know what uh, you know, cats and port fans out there, let us know. But I, I don't know. What, as a neutral supporter, I actually thought it was well adjudicated the whole game. Um, there was all the obvious mistakes that they make now where they just, you know, you know, tackle somebody for five hours before you get a free kick and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, look, really good game. Um, one of the better games of the year. Um, not in that top echelon, but certainly in that, that next rung below. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, as we've spoken about before, it's that kind of famous uh, between 7 and 10 when you've got your two bigs scoring. You know, we've always speak about this with Rewalt and Lynch. When you're scoring seven to ten goals between your two bigs consistently, you're going to win a lot of games. Um, and then once again, with Hawkins and, and and Cameron kicking nine between the two of them, five and four, and obviously uh, Rowan as well adding to it with three. Like you know, he had ten marks. Like he he looked unstoppable, and I think mentally looked a lot better as well. He's gotten better and better mentally through the year. Um, in the past, I think one of his uh, I guess negatives is that he he will you know really internalise when he misses a few set shots and uh, but yeah he missed a couple of pretty obvious ones well you think they would be pretty pretty easy gets but he didn't let it affect him and um, yeah I mean they're just such a stacked side um, defensively they were they were good on the night um, but yeah offensively they're, they're they're outstanding but yeah Port I mean well let's have a bit of a Port discussion but all the sort of kind of touched on the the major elements of the game but. I mean, do do you think? I mean, now let's have a look at Port on the ladder. So Port now they're sitting fifth, so they're still in, well and truly in touch with the top four. But I've been disappointed with them this year. Disappointed is a bit maybe a bit harsh, but I've been a little bit let down maybe just because I think they're a better side than this. They actually played very well. They they came up against a very good Geelong that you know um, I guess really uh, drew upon the backs against the wall, away win, you know, they, they had all the dramas of getting in and out of Victoria as well. And, you know, they were sleeping under tables and this whole thing. But, I don't know, but sometimes that can really unite. And I think they definitely harness that. But what do you think about Port? Like, do you, do you think now, I mean, ironically, like Richmond really blew the chance, um, against West Coast, which we'll get into, but with Port and Sydney losing, um, Richmond beating West Coast, they would have jumped a few spots on the ladder. But what do you think about Port? Do you think they make top four? Do you think the four set now? It's Melbourne, Dogs, Geelong, and Brisbane from one through yeah. four. Is that set? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah. Maybe not in that order, but I, I don't think anyone's um, pushing that four out of the top four. Yeah, yeah disappointing. I, people remember oh, I had Port right up there. I had them in the top to finish in top two this year. They were arguably the best team through the home and away season last year and they topped up. We didn't lose anyone. They topped up with Ali Ali in particular coming across. Um, uh, Orazio hasn't been the player I guess they'd hoped him to be, but still a handy addition into that team and they're, they're just not cutting the mustard. They've lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have. Um, yes, Geelong are a very good side, but with everything that happened, I actually thought Port would have got up in this this game, so yeah, they're losing an opportunity um, in this window where they've still got um, some very top end senior players that haven't got too many more years left in them to get that second flag. So um, that is a is a legitimate um, flag contenders, which on paper I think they are. They need to turn it around over the next month and and probably go four or five wins on the trot uh, without dropping a game to start. Um, 
reaffirming their credentials. Yeah, I would agree. Um, too much inconsistency and, and going back to your comment around, you know, like Rowan and stuff around not necessarily obviously getting the top defenders and stuff like that. You know, when, when you think someone like a, a Razio, he should be performing a lot higher when he's just simply not getting the... He's, he's not getting anywhere near the top defenders ever. So, mm. and he had those games where he was quite good. But ironically, like, all, I think really all the Essendon leavers have had... A bad year. I think Danaher's. I think the 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 cracks have been very papered over because he's playing in a team that that is very good. But on top of that, is also in very good form. Um, so I think those those cracks really um, have been papered over um, because I think he's had a poor yeah, he gets to hide, a couple of games, a couple of games. There. Yeah, yeah, he, he gets to, he gets to hide behind all the other players up there because yeah. he would become better thought a better player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think any of the um, big names that have left Essendon um, have necessarily had very any better seasons since they've gone. Yeah, and I, well, Saad, I think, has been pretty poor, um, and I think Arazio has been okay, um, but certainly not not um, not great. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I think they've been. Yeah, I think they've all been pretty average, and ironically, you know, Essendon kind of better. Um, so I think, I think they made the right decisions. I think Dudora got a little bit lucky on a few of them, but anyway, um, so that's, yeah, look, Port, I'm not, yeah, I'm definitely not convinced on them, on winning the flag this year. And, um, I mean, I'm not even convinced on top four. I think Richmond now, we'll get into, we'll, I'll forget that, we'll talk about that when we get to the game. But yeah, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know, I just don't. I just can't see it. And I know they were so close last year and they shouldn't have lost that game to Richmond at home. But, um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I'm not. There's just not enough evidence on paper. And uh, when you're losing games away, uh, sorry, at home, um, you know, to the away team, that's when it starts to become pretty problematic. And that was a game they really needed to, to lock themselves in in terms of getting that fourth position. And, yeah, it's going to become a lot harder. And then, um, so next game, uh, yeah, well, what do you say about this game? Like, uh, I mean, look... Hawthorne were pretty good. I think it was definitely the best I've seen them play. It's one of the few Hawthorne games I've seen like completely from start to finish um, this year because they've been off-Broadway a lot of the time and it's just been times I just haven't been able to sit down and watch the entire game. But I did watch this whole game and, um, yeah, they, they were really good. I think the kids look great. Um, they look well coached at the moment. They look excited. They look like they um, have good energy, you know, all the kind of basics that you want out of a team that's in a rebuild. But the other thing that cannot be... Um, not discussed is is Sydney were horrendous. This, this was what a hatchet job this was. Like this was this was like on a platter. Here, here's you now. Sydney are in real trouble now. Of forget about their visions of top four. I think they could be heading to. The, they'll make finals, but I reckon they could be heading to the bottom end of the A now because this was a game they had to win. They're playing a bottom side, um, and they were. Piss week. They were garbage. They, they, were, they were no good. And they completely screwed this up. And now they've got some really tough matches coming up and they blew it. And I, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll beat the top sides and I'll eat my words. But I, I it just seems like this is going to be a game that we're going to look back on and go, oh, wow, that that what a blown opportunity that was. Uh, they were awful in the air. Uh, they were gar- absolutely garbage defensively. 
Um, you know, it was just it was just bad. Like they, they were just really inconsistent all day. Fifty one for the day. They wanted to play a style of game that Hawthorne weren't playing, and they it just they weren't able to flip it at all. Like it, it, nothing they tried worked, and I don't know. They were just completely out of form. But you know, hats off to Hawthorne. They were very good, and um, yeah. I mean, they were accurate too. This is the other thing that helps. They kick 14-5. When you kick 14-5, you're going to win a lot of games. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a dead rubber in a way. Sorry. Clyco, but God, I just like go up to his old tricks, doing something left field before before the game. Was, and now he's come under scrutiny for it. It's, it's laughable that these coaches are already under enough pressure that he then gets questioned about what he's done and for those who may miss, and I don't know how you, you missed it, I was able to hear about it without any power internet, um, this whole boxing uh, without head protection to try and uh, instill some uh, competitiveness to a team that has been, for all intents and purposes, lackluster in its intensity all year, bar probably the second half against Essendon in round one. Um, yes, he probably should have taken a moment to think, oh, concussion, let's wear helmets, um, which, yeah, maybe. But I, the concept of just getting in the ring and having a sparring session I thought was great. Yeah, well, I, I was grabbing a jumper. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, um, I don't think people realise how often that happens too. Like people were talking about it as though it was like outrageous. I mean, I know like, it shouldn't have happened, and it is it is problematic now that he's not going to play. And I don't actually know whether whether he's playing this week either. But regardless, it, it, no, this think, is this is I pretty common. He, is he I think he's up for. Well, I don't know if he is playing, but I know he's up for selection because the, the actual sparring happens earlier in that week. It's just whether that he gets through the protocols for the twelve days. So right. Yeah, I haven't um, seen the teams. I know, I know they're on the outside, but I didn't have a look. So, but I look, it is yeah. Boxing has been part of AFL training forever. Um, it's just yeah. Had 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 he not got cast and, and been dropped from the side, would it have been an issue? Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean they didn't they didn't they didn't they didn't say poor old Ned Reeves. I can't get a running in a, a the night before. You might roll your ankle, which. He got pulled out for as well because they had a captain's run. So it's all a bit funny. Uh, I know the concussions are a big, big discussion point, and the AFL doesn't want lawsuits and all that type of stuff. I get it from that perspective, but I think it got a little bit blown out of proportion. Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is the, the the effect of what happened. But yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, I think it did, I agree. It did get blown a little bit out, out of the out of the water. But yeah, look, what do you say? Obviously, Hawthorne up uh, making finals. We've got to spend more time talking about. Um, games that, that, are, that have more importance, but yeah, the, the biggest takeaway by far out of this, and it's unfortunate because they weren't the winners, but by far the biggest takeaway is what a cock up but from Sydney to not have won this game, even to scrape through and you know play a bit mediocre, but at least get the job done. To blow it and blow it by thirty eight points is is yeah terrible. And then I think look, I, I could not sit through it. I couldn't even sit through sections of it. This was genuinely, I think, maybe the worst game I've ever seen. And I know that's very hyperbolic, but, you know, I can't compare to every single game. But this was horrendous. So Fremantle, um, Suns, the floating fixture is meant to deliver better games. Um, if this is what's going to happen in buy rounds, I mean, just everyone take the week off. I'll take the week off and then come back and start playing again because... 
like for the only days, like the two games on the day, I mean, ironically, the, the, the next game in, in St. Kilda Adelaide was a hysterical comedy, but the, the first one, they were both shit games though. The only reason St. Kilda Adelaide was a good, not a good game, but like very watchable and entertaining was because it was an incredible choke job by St. Kilda, which we'll get into in a minute. And it was hysterical because it, it, they found an unbelievable way to lose. Um, but it was a shit day of football. And, I mean, even now, like, why is there no football on tonight? So we're recording Thursday on the 7th. I know, obviously, I know the obvious answer, which is that the Richmond West Coast game was pulled forward. But we can't have anything. Like, what is like, the thing I was thinking, too, what about the broadcaster? Weren't they promised a game? Like, I don't know. How does that work? Have to pay them? Like, I don't so, Anyway, so who knows? Yeah. But, this is a garbage game. Bush League. Bush League dive. I think this was horrible. Um, there's no nothing. Only element out of this was um, Sean Darcy can absolutely play. I actually think he's um, a very, very good player. Um, Brasher was really good too. Yeah, a lot of the guys we've spoken about. Interesting, the Chera news too. Apparently, Chera wants out of yeah, Freo. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, that's a, that's the thing. Do these types of games make a player like Chera just go, you know what? I'm out. I, 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 want, I want to go to a big Vic club. Come home. Yeah. Terrible race. accuracy again. Horrible, horrible. Well, 6-13 by the Gold Coast was a complete disgrace. And then Freo, 11-10 was, was horrendous again. Barely over 50%. Um, they're the worst scoring side all year. But Freo, yeah, they've really blown a chance to, to make a dent this year. They've lost a couple of games they absolutely shouldn't have lost. And their accuracy is going to cost them. They're going to miss finals, I would say, 100%. And, and they blew it. <laughs> and they completely blow it and the Gold Coast are a continued disgrace I mean it's, it just never yes. ends uh, there's no point backing over that we do it every week no pretty much and then pretty much the funniest to, hysterical go to sorry. the comedy show to the comedy off to the comedy show I wish you got to see yeah. this live because this this was great I got to I, so I, this is one game I, I, I heard a little bit about because um, we caught up that afternoon so yeah, I was yeah. in the car so I had it on in the radio mm. and I couldn't believe end result after especially seeing how St Kilda started the game I was like oh they, they're going to kick straight and they're going to win a game that they should win and so they didn't <sighs> Adelaide did not score in the first quarter at all they were 0-0 and they didn't kick a goal until 16 minutes into the second and they won and every single person in Australia that was watching this game about two or three minutes into the third and they were still down was like they're gonna win it you could just feel it it was one of those rare games where you were like it's on it was like that ridiculous game when Carmichael Hunt kicked that goal after the siren it was like Richmond are going to lose this You, you knew a quarter if not two quarters ahead of it happening you were like this is going to end yep. in some ludicrous scenario after the siren or something stupid. Um, this was well, obviously we're getting just killed it, but Adelaide were and that you know that Thilthorpe goal at the end was was wild. Um, you know this is the thing they they, they find a new way to lose. Uh, it shouldn't have been a free kick earlier where he kicked one directly in front, but doesn't matter. Like you know. St Kilda, don't, don't, can't get angry at that. They blew so many chances. Um, but yeah, wow, a, a hysterical game and and St Kilda. Uh, they're the new, you know, I guess Richmond from, from that period there through 20, well, 15, but certainly 16 and, um, 15 and 16, I guess, but also when they lost that ridiculous final with Carlton, I think it was, what is it, 2014 where they shouldn't have, they were, uh, 
they were up at three quarter time and all that kind of stuff. So, oh, it, I mean, like to be a St Kilda supporter would be um, would be horrendous. It would be so stressful. To be a St Kilda player. Well, but this is the thing. So, I mean, well, there's two, there's two angles to this. The first thing is I want I want to I want to bring some, a, a bit of a game to this, which we'll get into in a second. But mm. before we do, there's obviously been all the all the embarrassing um, commentary this week around um, Caroline Wilson's um, supposed information around. Um, Seb Ross and um, is it Membry? It was Membry, I think, that have both gone yeah. home. The first thing is, who, who this whole angle that they were going with on Classified on Monday was like, oh, um, you know, this is a big game for them, and you know, this is a real big game, their last chance to make finals, blah blah. It's like, have you watched this team play at all through the entire year? Guess what? They're not making finals. They were making finals weeks ago. Forget it. It's over. They're not. They are, they weren't making finals. The minutes before the game, and they weren't weeks ago. Like that's so idiotic. It's over. So two players who've got young kids and new kids coming and stuff. Big deal. Like it's obviously bad. Like that that they're in this situation. The team's choked the whole year. But and it's it's one of the all time drop offs. I, I I was thinking someone pointed this out. I can't remember. Just someone randomly in the media was like, I can't think of another time where teams. It's interesting. I actually. <clears throat> Top of my head, I couldn't think of another one where a team has been like where they were. They were the they were the second most accurate side last year, and now they're the second worst accurate side. I mean, like, it is mind blowing the drop off. And yeah, I mean, uh, there, it, there's something sickening going on within the culture there. Like clearly, there's there's obvi- there's obvious problems there, and um, they're mentally really shook. And you know, I, f- I worry about like young King as well. Like he. He's been very choppy and, you know, being in a team that's that's mentally so fragile and, <clears throat> you know, there's just so many weird decisions. Like even, I mean, you know, even the Matthew Lloyd thing as well, like how it was revealed that Max King had reached out to Lloyd who um, coached him at Halibri and had said, oh, look, you know, I'm struggling with my kicking and you know, I'd love to kind of spend some more time with you again and blah, blah, blah. And Lloyd was like, yeah, no, absolutely. But before we do anything like that, you know, I'd prefer you to check with the club, like, not to, I don't want to do anything kind of off the grid without talking to St Kilda, which is, you know, it's a professional thing to do. Yeah. And then he went back to the club and said, and they said, no, no, we, we want you to have the one voice and want you to just spend all your time with Ruffhead and blah, 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 which Ruffhead, you know, very good player. I've absolutely no idea what he's like as a coach, but that seems really strange. Like why? It's not like he's, you know, going into like a clinic with 20 different people. Like uh, what? given he, he directly worked with Matthew Lloyd, who one of the best goal kickers? You know, nearly kicked a thousand goals. Why would you not want that? He was doing it for free too. It's not like you wanted any money. Don't you think that's yeah, so strange? No, like, why? Why St Kilda? Why would you make that decision? Has Has Ruffy got it. some problem with him? Like, it's it's really odd. Is it the Hawthorne Essendon thing? It just doesn't make any sense. You know, it's <laughs> it's very bizarre. And look, it'll be like telling some of these players that they can't have personal trainers, which so many of them do because yeah. they've got a head. Fitness guy. It's like, yeah, but you need some one-on-one stuff to work on specifics. Like the, the, these um, soft caps that hurt the, the football department, they, they haven't got the resources. Uh, yeah, but that's typical St. Kilda. No, no, if they're winning, they'd be fine. That's because they're losing. Because, yeah, just bad decision after bad decision. 
But, you know, let's just go back to what the president or CEO said a few weeks ago. It's not this year. It's this year was never there yet. It's next year. Well, even that is uh, an embarrassing blunder. And if they were a bigger club, if they were a bigger club, that would have been a huge highlight through the week. But we were one of the very few <clears throat> people I heard through the week even discuss that, which was one of the more embarrassing. I reckon top five most embarrassing things that have happened amongst AFL, um, like back of house, um, it, I reckon that might be number one. I reckon that that's got to be right up there. That's horrendous. It's that was that was absolutely insane. Someone um, who's very <clears throat> out of tune with how the media landscape, especially with the AFL, works. Like that is going to come. They, they, they'll, they'll, you can guarantee all the media outlets have got that ready to play next year, ready to play as quick as possible. When St Kilda is sitting eleventh or twelfth halfway through the year, going backwards. Um, okay, so one thing I wanted to do. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the things I quite enjoy doing, which is very masochistic of me, and I, <clears throat> I shouldn't enjoy doing it, particularly being a Richmond supporter that went through years of this, but one thing I do enjoy, and it would be a horrible job, um, being a social media um, you know, person for a football club, particularly after like another embarrassing loss and you know how many choke jobs they've done through the year. But I do like, because they have to do a tweet and, or an Instagram post after the game, right? So they'll do like one kind of like... So let's say Geelong would be like, you know, boys look great tonight and then like a, a picture of the score, right? So it's always like, and there's always comment, it's always like quite a, you know, full comment section, right? And then it's, a, you know, poor to be like, oh, tough one, you know, we had our chances but didn't quite get there or whatever, right? So St Kilda, <clears throat> after the game, and I've been reading them over the last few weeks. So you've asked before, imagine being a St Kilda, I think I said St Kilda, one of us said St Kilda yeah. fan, right? So the St Kilda people, like are at the point of breaking, like, beyond belief, right? And Melbourneans have been through a lot, as we said at the start of the podcast. But this this is, this is like, next level. So I, I wanted to read a couple of um, tweets underneath this thing because uh, we could even do, like, a... It's almost like the mean tweets thing on Kimmel. But so they tweeted, tough one to swallow. So 60 to 66, obviously, a loss. And somebody wrote, <clears throat> this club gives me depression. Sack... <laughs> Sack Ratten, in fact, sack all the coaches. Leave them in cans and make the players walk home as well. We will not put up with this any longer. There is no excuse and no forgiveness. We are done. Wow. It, so, what do you expect when you pick mediocre hacks like Ben Long, Dunstan, Caulfield, and Battle? Like, it is, it is. Oh, like, so for the listeners, you should honestly, <laughs> yeah, I'm having serious reservations about encouraging my little boy to like the Saints. Practically child abuse at this point. S- stop paying the players. They don't deserve a dollar. Freeze their checks. This is a joke. I mean, it, it, you, have to, you have to. It is incredible. Like, it's got like 150 comments underneath and it just gets worse and worse the further you go down the more dire it gets and it just gets yeah wow it, it like it is so scathing and i mean i i just can't anyway we, we keep going go but it is um oh like wow it, it would be because the thing about it is like you can mount an argument it's almost one of the worst clubs to go for because like frio i don't haven't won a flag at all and obviously gold coast you know who knows when they would win and you know the giants at least had some success and you know, went made a grand final, and I oh know they completely screwed it up, but they did make a grand final. At least they did win some finals and stuff, and they've been up and about for a long time. But um, you can imagine arguing being a St Kilda supporter would be one of the worst because they've had no success. Well, they, you know, they, they had those horrible, horrible um, <laughs> torture 
jobs of, of 2009 and 2010. And but then even back in the 90s, like, they've had so <clears> many <throat> almost teams like that have been mm. up there up for year after year after year without any success. And they get there, well, they just find ways of blowing it. And, and it is, it's a cultural thing. Like, they just learn different ways to fuck things up. Yeah, it is incredible. It is amazing. Um, anyway, so we, we can't wallow in that for too much longer because yeah, it, it, it'd be depressing. No. But well done to Adelaide. Oh, we'll start, they were great. We'll, we'll start getting death, death threats from St Kilda supporters. Yeah. Um, Adelaide, yeah, look, they, they were fantastic, um, really. And they smelt blood and it was obvious. Even when they were like, they barely had a score on the board, it was like, wow, I think they might actually win this. It was, yeah. Hilarious. Um, Adelaide. It is funny with Adelaide. Like, obviously, like, they're, they're you know, what are they, two and a, well, two games out of the eight and they got crap percentage. But but there was a couple of games they definitely should have won. They should have lost to, to Hawthorne in that should game. Should have beaten Hawthorne. <clears throat> yep. Should have beaten Hawthorne and there was a couple of others as well. So you've got to think, like, if Adelaide have kind of 20, 25% improvement next year and then another, like, 10 to 15, 20% the following year, they're all of a sudden, like, well and truly back in finals contention. And you've got to think, like, Six months ago, you would have thought, Roy Sloan, is he going to leave because there's no way he's seeing finals again at Adelaide? But now, they've actually got a pretty good group of kids. And now it's like, well, probably not Taylor Walker, but he's a little bit older. But whether Sloan might actually see some, some maybe not like top success, but whether he sees at least some finals and some contention. Um, yeah. Maybe that's a chance. I, I don't know. They've got to keep getting it right, obviously. But this was a, a great example. And then... Um, a weird game on the Sunday, so two games on the Sunday. Um, North Giants in a draw, so the only draw for the year so far. Um, the Giants half asleep. Uh, yeah, don't think they realised the the urgency of really needing to uh, win this one and keep in touch, mm. at least keep in some level of touch with the eight. Uh, they were probably not going to make it anyway, but at least keep in some kind of you know closeness to it, and they completely yeah, keep pressure on those. Keep pressure on those teams to the yeah. bottom part of the eight to, to keep winning. Yeah. And North, um, who were pretty good through the day, really shouldn't have lost this one. They they kind of blew it as well. So this is a game, well, literally, this is a game where nobody wins. <laughs> they finish in a draw. So, um, yeah, disappointing. The, the score was identical as well, 14-10 to both of them. Um, so it wasn't like one of them was, you know, crazy accurate. Probably accurate, No, yeah. it, was, it was exactly the same. Um, yeah, a game that I think most people would, would like to, to forget Um I mean, it's funny, like, it was actually relatively high scoring, you know, both nearly 100 each, but it wasn't a great game to watch. Um, pretty patchy through bits of it. Um, it was okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, if, if the Giants had performed through the whole day, it would have been much more interesting. Um, but, yeah, yep. pretty um, pretty nothing game. Obviously, two teams that uh, are well out of the finals. And then the, the Eagles-Richmond game. I mean, this is sort of like the reverse of what I said about the Cats. Earlier on, it, it was like... Mm, Richmond are like 10, 15% off. They were making weird decisions. Bolter looked completely out of form. Weird offensive decisions, like going for really weird targets. Um, being a bit selfish too, which is very unusual of Richmond, certainly in more recent times. Uh, Bolton making like really weird decisions. Even Dusty as well, who's normally obviously one of the, I think one of the game's best decision makers ever, um, making pretty pretty terrible decisions at times as well, let's be honest. So, yeah, I mean, they, they blew it and, and this was a bit of a choke job and they made the decision to um, play the game. They, they could have had the bye in WA. Um, well, I guess they could come all the way back to Victoria and then head out again, but 
Um, they made the decision to stay there um, and just get the game done and then have the buy now. But you got to wonder. I mean, Richmond are going to find it very hard to make top four now. Um, they're, they're a fair bit behind. They'd have to not only keep dominating through the rest of the year, but they'd have to hope there's some teams above them, obviously, that keep continuing to lose. But, yeah, I mean, now it, they really did blow a big chance. And, I mean, we spoke about it during the day when we caught up, but it did feel like surely Richmond would get this one done, particularly given that Port and Sydney had lost. Um, Richmond, very seasoned, final, consistent finals um, team, um, very aware of what's going on. Obviously, um, they must have known their position coming into that game, walking out on the ground. This was a serious chance to... Because we were speaking about it during the day with percentage. So Richmond um, obviously finished it at 8th um, at the end of the round at 105%. But West Coast, only only 107%. Sydney, 108 They wouldn't have caught up. They would have had to smash West Coast to get to Port Adelaide. But Italy could have finished 6th. And then all of a sudden, it opens things up a bit. And yes, Richmond's second half of the year is easier than the first half. They've lost to a lot of the top eight teams in the first half. But um, yeah, I, I do feel like this is a game that... And I've said this consistently. I don't think this is Richmond's year. But I do feel like they'll look back on this one and be like, wow, that was a, that was a, that was a shit effort. We, we were tw- they were 22 points up with 10 minutes to go, and they and they lost. So yeah. I mean, look, I get Very it. Very un-Richmond-like. Very un-Richmond-like, and I get it late. Obviously, that, that like... I mean, the umpire, I don't know how he could have possibly paid that mark. Uh, look, amazing goal. Um, you know, not, you can't blame the Eagles. That was the umpire's decision. But that kick to Kennedy, I think it was Ryan to Kennedy for memory, but uh, whoever. But it was at max, like, five metres. And they paid it They paid it as, as a mark, which was, like, obvious to everyone watching, you know, on the other side of the country that that was not no, nowhere near 10 metres let alone 15, and you could see it purely with the, as we always talk about with the patches of grass, it was like, wow, that's a real cock up right there. So, uh, like, uh, even the, the players couldn't believe. So, Kennedy, when he marked it, went to quickly rush it on, and then he then he heard the whistle and was like, wait, what? You're paying as a mark? And then he kind of went, oh, okay. You could even, you could see the reaction on his face. The, the other Eagles players in the vicinity were like, wow, okay, sure, we'll take it. I mean, Kennedy was on a shit angle, but then he ends up kicking this miracle goal and and they win, but um, yeah, I mean, look, Richmond shouldn't have been in that position. So and Richmond fans are just shitty about that. Um, sorry, but yeah, the, don't don't get into that position. Like Dusty, um, forty out goes for this, well, forty five on a weird angle was a hard kick even for him. Goes for this, you know, ridiculous shot to try and score from there when there were multiple players open. Um, you know, even if Bolter plays 15 percent better, it's a, it's a big difference. Um, yeah, Bolton made some really weird decisions as well. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it, everyone just looked a bit like they were in a state of bit on. flux. Like, no, everyone looked like they needed a break, which is the other thing too. Once the game went on, they all started to look tired. Vloston very uncharacteristically turned the ball over and, and, and gave a goal away, um, which again, well, you can man and argue that cost them obviously the game as well. So... Everyone looked zonked by the end, I'll be honest, and it was like, well, why was the decision made to keep playing? But anyway, they obviously thought at the time that, that they uh, had it in them. Well, they did. They had it in them for a lot of the game. They were up for long periods of time. West Coast didn't hit the lead. So I don't think they actually did. They hit the lead at all earlier in the game. I can't or not certainly not in the first part of it. Let's have a look at the, the old worm. Oh, yeah, sorry, they did. They hit the front in the second, but then they were down like the end of halftime then for the entirety of the third quarter. 
and for the vast majority of the fourth quarter. And once Richmond got 21 points up, it was like, oh, okay. You know, it was almost to the point where it was like, oh, I could put a movie on now. You know what I mean? was like, they're not going to lose this game. But then, yeah, just early, like, just even, I know they weren't as fatigued, but little weird things like Kane Lambert as well, like, missed a relatively easy shot. It was like, well, this doesn't look good pretty early on. And, like, even little things like Baker as well with that ridiculous deliberate out-of-bounds. Like, it was like, what are you doing? Like, what, do you know the rules? Like, he just, like, punched it out, and it was such a deliberate. It was like, this is going to get called deliberate. Everyone knew. And then it cost us a goal as well. So it was like, well, come on, mate. What are you doing? Just the decision-making was just completely off. So hopefully it's not a huge one that they'll look back on, but I reckon it will be. Uh, it's it's going to be very tough to make finals. Oh, finals. Top four, sorry. They're making finals. Four. And look, somebody won it five years ago from, from seven. So who the hell knows? But right now, you still think that... I know the buy is not as... The buy has changed things quite a bit, but... Um, anyway, that's the game. And, and look, the Eagles um, were, were really good. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Kennedy was fantastic. Um, he looks like he could go on next year, which is um, is huge. Um, it's so funny every time Kennedy has a good game. There's always this discussion of did the Eagles win the trade with Chris Judd. It's not even a question. Why, why, does, why does this always get discussed? Obviously, they won the trade. Chris Judd was a very poor leader at, at Carlton. The team has been a basket case since he left. The board has been a basket case, which he was sitting on. Everything, Nothing has worked. He was in a stacked Eagles team. He was an incredible junior. One of the best players, I would say, under 23-24. That early period of his career was unbelievable. Like, it was, I think, probably the best in history for that period of time. But And a very, very good player, obviously. But is he a great leader? No. Is he a premiership captain? Yeah, but he's in a stack to the nines team. Uh, and not that he got lucky, but let's be honest, it's not, he's, he, I, I don't have him with, you know, Voss and that top. I don't, I've never had him in that absolute top group. And Kennedy, flag, were playing for premierships, no premiership. They won one in 2018, and Kennedy was a big part of that. So, absolutely. And he's been. How many great forwards are there? They don't grow on trees. They're hard to find, these very good forwards. And he's been fantastic for the Eagles for years and years and years. 10 years at least. Yeah. like 10 years at least. He's, he's given <coughs> them years. He's been good since he got there. Yeah. And, and, and like going back to that 2015 game, I know Hawthorne won the game, but the Eagles were in that game. Like a lot of people, like people have completely like men in black that game, like just that. They completely think that, oh, it's Hawthorne. I think people get 14 to 15 confused, which, you know, when you're Hawthorne, you won so many flags in a row. I, I can understand, you know, it's, it, is, it is pretty amusing that you can get them confused. But 15, like the Eagles were in that game for a lot longer than people think. So, yeah, Kennedy's been announced. He could easily be two, a two-time premiership player. He's a very, very good player and, and, and clearly not obviously. Where it gets confused, it's like, you know, talent versus talent. It's like obviously Judd's clearly a more naturally talented player. But in terms of the, the numbers, playing for premiership. As far as premiership. Yeah, what, it was a club decision, so the trade worked. Don't worry about the player. West Coast got the better deal. Clearly, like by far. Clearly. Like it's, it's not even, it's not even, a, it hasn't been a conversation for years. The 2018 premiership put a full stop on it. That's it. Close the book, bind it up, it's finished. Anyone that still is still going back to that well is is sick in the head because the reality is we're playing for premierships, one, zero. It's over, it's finished. The, there's no way, the only way is if Judd comes back, 
and starts playing and then wins a flag. And that's obviously not going to happen. So, and even then, I, even then, I don't <laughs> think he's stupid enough to go back to Carlton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's the. I mean, even even in those elements as well. I mean, he would have been better going to. I mean, obviously, he would have been wrapped up in the drug saga, so who knows where that all ends up. But he would have been better going to Essendon. Essendon were a better side and got closer to it in the end. Obviously, had they said no to Mr. Dank, and there's a lot of ifs there. But let's say Dank and Weapon come to the door and say, hey, uh, do you want to take some, uh, some vials and we don't know what's in them, but it'll make you better and all this, you know, sign these waivers. Let's say none of that happens. I think Judd should really have gone to Essendon and then, you know, he get, they, they, they made a big play for him and he nearly went there. So well, maybe, yeah. maybe he could smell the rat because he was coming from a drug culture in West Coast. So, That's you know, true. you saw the writing, well, I went, well, I'm not going to that club. That looks iffy. It looks like, like the club of leaving. He's like, that smells like, that smells like meth. I, I don't really think we can do this. <laughs> I, can, I can smell some meth. Um, I'm having an interview with you. Why have you got crack on the table for? It's like, oh, I've met you before. You're in the car park all the time at West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's true. Yeah, I think yeah. Imagine, imagine if you got brawl in that as well. That, that wow, that, that would be. There'd be a lot of question marks on him even more. Well, that's the other thing too. Sorry, yeah. and, and this is the, always the thing that gets completely overlooked because he's a great player. But it's a big blight, I think, on Judd's career. That um, firstly, that Carlton got worse and progressively worse and worse, and could not keep the leash on Fev, and you know couldn't couldn't get any of the things working with Carlton, and, and they've gotten worse and worse and been an ongoing basket case. But the other big blight, obviously, is that he he was the captain during um, what was clearly a, a massive drug problem at, at the club, and, and and he was the captain. So the, look, the buck stops with him as well. It's it's similar to Pendlebury. I think he gets hurt a little bit as well because of um, being the captain at, at Collingwood through such a tumultuous period. Where you know, yeah, but it's a bit different with him though. He does win the flag in 2010, and um, he's obviously a very, very good player. And you know, he's he's always been a bit kind of caught in the middle because he, you know, he, he's he's sort of in that group with the older players, but also trying to be a Bucks guy as well. And he's kind of yeah, that's that's a he sort of tries. To, he's playing both sides of the fence a bit. But anyway, um, that's a different conversation. But look, yeah, <laughs> always funny that that comes up with Kennedy. Um, and and the Judd thing, it's a it is it is the silliest conversation, but um, it's so futile at this point. Like it's like, can you read? That's where I'm at at this point. It's like, do you know who won the flag in 2018? It's at that stage. It's like, you know, they won, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't just obviously Tom Sheets' goal. He went, you know, was unbelievable. Kennedy was pretty good that day. So he's, he, and he got yeah. them into a pretty good position to, to make the it's, grand final. Yeah, it's as futile as the. The, the, the drafts and did Hawthorne make the right call with Hodge um, two knobs and four flags yes he hasn't got a brown light like Judd yeah. so what you don't play for brown lights you play for flags and uh, and, and Hodge's, Hodge's got that I think the order of that draft is very accurate now I think Hodge yeah. is number one Judd two and uh, oh mate ball. Um, oh mate yeah oh Luke mate ball. play for St Kilda yeah Luke Ball, that's Luke it. Ball. Yeah. Luke Ball. Good player, but definitely number three in that category, in that group. Hodge, guess what? Hodge is so much better than Judd, it's not funny. And, and I know people will be like, what? What? It's like smashing things and going nuts. <laughs> it, it, obviously, Judd is, is better in terms of naturally gifted, obviously. Yeah. But, but we're not playing for multiple Brownlows. I know Judd wins the flag at West Coast, <clears> but post that point, he left West Coast a long time ago. This is the other thing. He played a lot of years at Carlton. Everybody forgets that. He was at Carlton for ages. It's not like he did 10, 12 years at the Eagles and then 
came over to Melbourne and did two or three years at, at, at the Blues. He was there for years. And he never got them over the line. So, or he never, he never they didn't even get into a prelim. This is the thing. It's like you've got to, as a minimum, as to be a great player, you've got to, as a minimum, get to that kind of point. And people put him up with, you know, your carries and stuff like that, that did put the team on his back a number of times and get them into, multi, you know, seven straight prelims. Like, he's not in that league. No way. Like, no way. Just, just, there's not, the numbers aren't there. And I think people get so fatuated with him as as a junior, as a, you know, as a younger player, he had that period where he was unstoppable. And I agree, he was unbelievable. But that didn't go for that long. It was a couple of years where it was it was sickeningly good. But oh, if he played like that through his whole career, we're talking about him as... A different know, story. Well, we're talking about yeah, is, talking is he better than Lee Matthews? That's the thing, because then he probably wins yeah, a couple of other flags. Yeah, he's, he gets into that kind of echelon and then it's, you know, that, you know, Dusty as well and that kind of yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it comes in that, that sort of joker level. But anyway, he's definitely, I don't think he's anywhere near that. Because you need, guess what, another big credential to get into that one. And this is why I don't have Ablett in, personally, naturally gifted. I don't have Ablett as high against some of these guys. A junior, that is. Well, even senior, I guess, to some degree, but junior. Because I, I, I don't think he, he was a terrible captain and it got crashed. was horrible. So, like, that's the thing. He was a terrible captain. He was not a very good leader. And that's why the Cats... Didn't vote him as captain. He wanted to be captain, and they were like, "No, no." You're about fifth or sixth in <laughs> They were like, "No." Um, and then, yeah. So, um, good game. Uh, well, depending on who, what team you go for. If you go for Richmond, it wasn't a great game. But it was a very stressful game, and it was it was an obviously going to lose game. Uh, and then the other thing, in terms of things that were obvious, was we. So when we did our tips, obviously this is what was before Nathan Buckley was sacked which we can have a bit of a chat about the Bucks thing now. But um, so when we recorded, we obviously did, of course, we recorded and then the next day this massive story breaks, but easily the biggest story of the year. But in terms of, um, this is the other thing too, I would have been, I was thinking, I know now it's very easy to say in hindsight, but I would have been very tempted to have tipped Collingwood because, you know, this is this is very Bucks and very kind of like Collingwood backs to the wall. It's very Collingwood, very backs to the wall. They, they all of a sudden start playing well. Um and Melbourne have been a little shaky over the last week or two. But before we talk about the game, I guess in any degree, what did you think about the whole Nathan Buckley thing? And we've obviously been asked a lot throughout the week, like our thoughts on it. It was, I guess, you know, look at it from a few angles. Like, was it the right decision? How do you think Bucks handled himself? All that, all that kind of thing. What, what was your take? Oh, first, I'll answer the the latter part of that question. You just threw at me. Bucks always holds himself oh, phenomenally well. Start. I think he slips occasionally for when. Stress levels are like off the Richter scale. He, he, he's masterful. He, he obviously was quite young when he became a head coach and um, learned a lot in those formative years. I think he's fantastic in front of the media. He gives himself, he gives a lot of his time compared to a lot of other coaches. And the way he handled himself with this um, is impeccable, uh, better than I've ever seen any other coach that's gone through this particular um, scenario. Uh, Right now, I think he's still pulling out some of the blade edges in his back. That probably still been stuck in there. Uh, I think I think he's a, been a massive, massive scapegoat. But because he has been so instilled in the club, he part of him would have said, you know what, maybe it is the best thing for for me to just part ways. And and, and again, like he did during his career, like put the team on his shoulder and carry him for a little bit. Um, I don't at all think it was his decision. I think there was a lot of pushing um, to, to get it done and 
for Collingwood to start the process as early as possible to find a good suitor because it's going to be tough for them with everything yeah. that's happened this year to find a coach that will go, oh, this sounds like a great club to come to. I'll have, uh, I'll have a lynch mob one day and then I'll have the media down my throat the next and uh, a dysfunctional playing group. I reckon they're going to find it difficult to find the coach that they need. So from that perspective, I think Graham Wright and his cohorts pushed as hard as they could so they could start this process as early as possible. It's not a bad thing. It just And they've handled it very well So I think that, that group of people that are directly involved with the decision-making, it's... It's been, yeah, pretty tough if you're a Collingwood supporter this whole year. Yeah, and, well, I think... I think firstly, there's a few angles to this, and and you've got to put put into account the political situation at Collingwood, obviously, with the, you know, the current board spill and all all the other elements to that, Um, and, you know, Jeff Brown pushing to, to get in and, and trying to top the board and all that kind of stuff. I think, firstly, you know, there's there's no doubt that they wouldn't commit to him. So he went, okay, well, I can, I can earn really good money in the media with like one-eighth of the stress and there'll be stacks of clubs that would have him. So the first thing. But the second thing is, this will be very interesting to see how this plays out. Does he know that there's two angles to it? I mean, do, does he know that the current board is going to stay on which means that he's, and the brown ticket fails, and then as a result of that, he's probably unlikely to, to stay. I think the current board and Corda know that one of their few, because apparently the, the brown, I haven't followed it too heavily, but supposedly the, the opposition have very good numbers with, with the, the mm. members. So, and that it, whenever this gets up, it, there's a real chance that, that they could win it. I do wonder whether they. I mean, it's obviously not Ross Lyon, but they've got someone locked in. I don't think it's Clarko either. I mean, I've heard that rumour that he's already committed to them behind closed doors and all this kind of garbage, but, like, who knows? But I don't think that's true, but who knows? But the reality is, like, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out over the next 6 to 12 months because the reality is I think it's pretty safe to assume that Buckley's a pretty astute guy. I reckon he knows who he's going to get up, and it was obviously going to affect his position because one way of quarter to really shake things up and to try and, you know, keep his position would probably be to sack Buckley, not look great initially, but then let's say he brings in a, a great coach, then all of a sudden he looks quite good and, and then the members think, well, there's already been so much upheaval. Do we really want to topple the board? Do you know what I mean? Like it really starts to raise questions of why would you do this? Why go through that process? I think, look, Bucks, as you completely said, he, he's an outstanding media performer. The club is much poorer for not having him in involved in their business, obviously in a whole range of ways, but certainly in terms of media because Quarters handled it himself horrendously. And I think they're, they're, the whole board and everyone has handled themselves, the current board, very poorly. And, and they've gone. They, they need to get media advisors immediately, who and sack the current ones they've got if they're not if they're giving them this kind of advice because some of the advice they've given them has been insane. Like any like bare minimum stuff, it's like you know they're not selling their vision. That they're, they're consistently you know all the lacurious stuff and all the garbage that's gone on there all of a sudden. They're trying to run an agenda that's simply not working. And that's uh, this is not what this podcast is about. But look. It's interesting in that, like, it's obvious. I think that Bucks knows what's going on in terms of what will end up happening, and he must have known that his 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 position is highly unlikely to be part of that, and he just pushed it forward. And I think he said, "Well, yep. I'm just going to leave them." 
So I think he called their bluff, and I don't think they expected it. Um, and it looks awkward with two really good wins in a row. It looks, but but he, I mean, he comes out of it looking a million dollars. I think he's been obviously he handled himself very well, but on top of it, he just won two really good games. They just had a really good away win against Adelaide, who are actually I think quite a good side. Not not no, it's probably a bit, a bit of a stretch, but they're they're an okay side. And and now then you know beating the best team in the league, who had an off day, but that still they still beat him. Still, um, they beat them, yeah. Still beat them, and they beat. They should have beaten them by a lot more, eleven fourteen in the end. But I mean, he's he's now got um, got the ability to pick whatever position he wants, um, really in both the media, but also um, uh, in clubland. So look, it's yeah, it's very. Um, it, it's oh, the thing I've always not understood with Buckley and like this whole notion of like whether he goes and stays and all this kind of stuff. And you know, he's obviously outside of the the, the near premiership that he had. As a coach, the there's been you know a lot of years where it's like you know he's always on the knife and all that kind of stuff. But I think if you were going to sack Bucks, I think you really needed to have done it earlier than this because now it's at the point where he's actually a pretty good coach, and I think he's better than most coaches out there. And I don't think there's many other people available that are better than him. So it's at the point now where he's had to deal with a terrible salary cap setup in terms of how the, the list managers had to resign because it's been so poorly done. And yes, the coach is involved in those discussions, but it's not his complete decision. He's not sitting there saying, we need to sign Brody Grundy up for seven years on this sickening money. And that that's the, the, the way the clubs work. It's not just... Um, it's not just him. So he's, in part, I'm sure, to blame for bits of it. But I don't know. Like, he's had a, a lot of pretty, you know, he's had the, the leadership vacuum now with, with Eddie and all the various things that have gone on. I, I think he's actually a pretty good coach. And this is the thing. Like, Dane Swan was joking on Twitter after the game, like, saying, I wonder if this Nathan Buckley will get interviewed for, for the for the upcoming Collingwood role. Because, like, he's actually, like, he's, he's, he's become quite, I know it took him a while, but he's now become a pretty good coach and maybe he'll be even better in clear air away from Collingwood where he's been for like 24 of the last 25 years. But what do you think? Do you think it's better for him that he's out, out of it now? Like, yep. yeah, I think so too. Yep. Suffer, suffoca- suffocating and that's, like you mentioned, he would have a, he would have had a fairly clear idea of what was happening because he's been, he's been there for basically yeah. his whole adult life. Hasn't left, so um, I saw a bit of fully classified with um, Ross Lyon, and he knew something was coming up because of the match day, week's match day preparation didn't go the same way as it normally did. I can't remember what the story was, but something didn't happen. He was like, hmm, that's a bit weird. Right, um, okay. And so Buckley probably saw the writing on the wall or certain things were happening at the club that normally weren't or something to that effect, and... Yeah, he probably went, oh, I'll just call that bluff then. And yeah, I think he's a great coach. Um, a friend of mine, a couple of few weeks ago, a Hawthorne supporter, was saying, oh, if Clark goes on the way out, would you want um, Buckley? I went, absolutely. Yeah. That'd, that'd be a great swap. He's, he's in, intuitive. He understands football. He understands the old way and the new way because he's been part of both. He, he's obviously got a good connection with players. He puts player welfare first uh, over the football, all those types of things. So, yeah, if he wants to get back into coach, I think he'll take at least a year off, personally, or two. Yeah. Um, and, and then reassess, mainly because there's no obvious coaching roles for him to go to, not see any coaching roles anyway. So I think he'll, uh, yeah, take a bit of bit of time off and pressure off and, and jump into the media, earn roughly the same amount of money and 
work a quarter of the hours. I do think, though, I, I would be shocked if... I am counted, but I'd be shocked if at least a few clubs had not sounded out his management to see whether he would be interested in coaching in 2022 because when you think about it, I mean... Oh, absolutely. I it, don't disagree there. I, I, I agree. I think he will probably go into the media, but I'd be very, very surprised. I will obviously never admit this, but do... Carlton asked the question. I mean, that would be that would be wild. But if he was to go to the arch enemy, but and the other obvious one is the Gold Coast, who are, are I mean, I know we we commented on the making the mark documentary and how much it looked like you had the players and how exciting it all looked, but it's failed again. Um, mm. In in another season, it's fallen apart again. And as great as that vision was and everything around it seemed seemed rosy and and, and great. It didn't work, and it's it's not only didn't work; it's another failure. So it's another bottom four finish. So I think the Gold Coast would the, the AFL have to get this to work. If they offered him a million bucks a year or more, um, one point whatever, they you know just throw the house at him to to go up to the Gold Coast. I th- I think maybe he would enjoy that as well. Out of the limelight, out of Melbourne, better weather. It's all about whether with his you know he's obviously a, a, you know very close with his boys, obviously. Um, they're young, both at school. I think it's pretty unlikely he he moves states. I'll be honest. I think a lot of people have forgotten that element to it because he's you know obviously he's not with his wife anymore, but um, his partner has a business here in Melbourne as well. So that would make it quite difficult, I would imagine, in some respects. But yeah, clearly the boys is a big is a big problem. Um, not being in Melbourne because they're both at school here. So I think one I think they're one of them's in high school as well. So I think they're both like they're pretty much in the middle of school as well. So it'd be pretty problematic to just pull them out and move into a whole other state and move up north. And then how does that work with is it Simone his wife? I can't remember her name, but like that's the other thing too. Like how does that work? And I don't know. So they look. I, I think that but they would offer him clearly. I think I'd be shocked if that I'd doesn't happen. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I'd be, yeah. There's a there's a two. I agree. I was thinking about what other club, what clubs would do it. Can't. I've probably already reached out. Gold Coast, you would think that would have would at least ask the question. question yeah. um, potentially St Kilda. Um, yeah, St Kilda's the other one. Free. Yeah, well, apparently, I think Longmuir. They're close enough because they've they've. I know they've blown a lot of chances this year, but they are only the one game out of the eight. You know, a couple of those games go the other way. They don't have to win all of them, but I think they're pretty happy yeah. with him. But I, I do wonder. They'll be so dogged at rats. But this is the other thing too: is Buckley also. He's a pretty astute guy. Like he doesn't want to be seen to be the enemy and all that kind of stuff. I think he's been that for bits of his life as well internally in Collingwood. I think he wants to look, uh, given the way he's handled himself so well. I think you know he want to, you know, don't think he wants to look like the knifer as well. Like I think there'd want to be some clear air and it to not look as um, as shifty as it could look if like you know Teague or Rats as an example both get the complete ass. And then all of a sudden Buckley's in there, and he wouldn't want the optics of not looking, you know, looking like a bit of a um, a dog. But um, yeah. I don't think he looks like a dog at the Gold Coast because I think um, Jews just had too many too many poor years. And if a great coach like that comes up, you know, it's hard. Like we're well and truly on the outside, we can't assess, you know, what Jew looks like internally. We've seen that documentary, but that's nothing really. So the reality is, like, it seems on paper, surely from what we can see, that Buckley is a better coach than Jew. Um, to have a marquee name as well as the coach up there in in a non AFL market as well would be very advantageous. They would get a lot more media coverage yeah. for the club as well. Um, you can't buy that. Well, you can. They literally do try to buy that with the stuff they do in the Korean Mail, which is another conversation. But 
Um, the, the point is, though, um, that it's a lot, be a lot of free press. There'd be heaps more media at his conferences. Um, the Victorian media would cover it heavily. Like, imagine all the, all the amount more coverage the club would get. Um, it would also be, like, quite a open, you know, they would give him probably a four- or five-year deal, give him a real serious window to get it right. Whereas, like, it's always this specter of, like, who's the next Gold Coast coach before the next one gets shafted? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's always, like, it's just this revolving door in a way. So, um, they're into their, you know, their third coach now, which, um, yeah, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. But, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see. But I, I think, you know, Buckley's obviously a very good media performer, as we've already said, and a very good commentator. So, I think he would be, he would be excellent um, in really whatever he wants to do. But, yeah. I think family is going to be the big problem. So you'd assume that um, it'll probably be a Victorian club. So um, Carlton will have to really, <coughs> excuse me, make the move on Teague. Um, I think that's, but I don't know. What does that look like? Him going to Carlton. So anyway, but yeah, look, he, it's, it's a weird situation. Uh, but then like, let's get into the game because it's, it's a pretty long conversation with, with Buckley. But, but look, I mean, where, where, look, the biggest question out of this is, you know, Melbourne, I think a way to beat Melbourne is to, is to keep the ball low, reduce the intercept marks, you know, take, take that weapon away from them. And that has worked in beating Melbourne the last little bit. Like I know they've only lost, you know, a small amount of games, but that has worked. But the other thing too is like Collingwood, where, where's this team been? Dugowie looked amazing. Why, why have they not been playing him in the center this whole time? And some of this is an indictment on the coaching group too, but some of it's certainly indictment on the players. Maynard was huge. Um, Hoskin Elliott's had such a average year and I mean 13 marks like you know this is the thing uh, Penderbury had a game for the ages as well like my check was was really accurate like that's the biggest question really now it's, it's just such a tease it's like well, what happened what what where was this side what do you think about that like there's another whole element to this it's always uh, yeah look, look we've t- we discussed it um when was it two years ago very briefly about Hawthorne's mini demise when they didn't have a um CEO or president in place when there's and everyone goes, oh, the departments are separated. It's like no, 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 no. When your admin and back of house are dysfunctional, it flows down the, the ranks into the players. Yeah. And I definitely think this had a massive impact on Collingwood and obviously so much scrutiny on the club. Regardless, they could be top two and then scrutiny on them. doesn't doesn't matter. It comes comes with the territory of being being a, a, the most hated football or sporting club in the country. Um, and yeah, they need something to galvanise. You need something to galvanise you together. Unfortunately, your coach leaving is probably not the best reason to galvanise as a club. And then I don't think anyone's doubted that they've got enough talent. But yeah, it is a shock that all of a sudden they played two weeks in a row of pretty good football, and obviously came up against Adelaide, who probably on on par with them as far as their season goes, and coming up against Melbourne. And don't get me wrong, like I think Melbourne just had one of those off games, yeah. which they're, you're bound to do in, the, in these types, of the, in, in this season and not really in football in general, that you can't be up and up and up for so long and, and, and go winless or so go go with a complete season without losing a game. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe we do see a, a much more competitive Collingwood outfit moving forward for the rest of the year just to um, prove that, that, that there's at least... A springboard for the next season. I don't know. It, it, it's a bit bizarre. I didn't expect them to, to, to win this game at all. And, um, 
yeah, they play really, really good football. I think they will start to see Dugowie in the midfield a bit more. Obviously, they lose their best player for the rest of the season. That's a bit of a down down point. So it might be a bit tough for them to win games because they're not going to have the defensive structures um, there to stop stop goals. But at least they'll be competitive in the midfield if they continue to go like the way they did over the weekend. Yeah. Such a shame, of course, this was played in, in Sydney in front of a pretty crap, crap crowd as well. Like It's one of those things. It's like Federer playing what might be his last match at the French Open um, in front of an empty stadium. Like It's just, I don't know, it's little things like this where it's like, this is not meant to happen like this. Like I know Collingwood like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do our proper goodbyes at another time. It's like, how awkward is that? Like at a random game next year, what are they going to do? Like put Buckley in a car and like grand final and drive around, like around the G? Like that, that seems horrible. Like that seems embarrassing. And if I'm Buckley, I'd be like, I'm not doing that. That's embarrassing. Not doing that. I'll come back in 10 years for an anniversary, but I'm not doing that. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the whole thing was poorly handled. The timing's bad. And he's made them look like fools because of his very, 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 very good media performance and their very, very poor media performance looks, there's a, just a chasm in terms of how much better he handles himself. But on top of it, he won the last two games. So it made it look really awkward and embarrassing, really. So they wouldn't commit to him, so he called their bluff and I, I think, yeah, that, yeah. It, it didn't work. So, um, but yeah, look, Melbourne, Melbourne will be fine. That, that, I'm, you can't be worried. They've obviously been very good. Uh, as you said, they've been up for ages. They'll do a break too. They look tired through bits of this. Um, they'll they'll come back after the bye, and, and um, so they got the bye this week, yeah. and they got Essendon, so that, that should be a bit of a rev up, I reckon. Um, although Essendon, Essendon, I think will push them through through pieces of the game. But um, yeah, well, look, such a shame as well for uh, I think we spoke this last week, but for Danaher's um, organisation with um, the big freeze and all that stuff, just you know, COVID's really um, hit that around. So if you see it being around, definitely pick it up if you can do any donations. You should because uh, it's a great cause and what he's done so so good and um, such a shame, you know, with with COVID, what's happened, you know, Melbourne as a club. From this game not being at the G, particularly with it being a big freeze as well, they lost about $2.4, $2.5 million. So the irony yeah. of, of Melbourne finally being good and potentially heading into administration would be um, oh, an amazing... Sick, um, it would be an amazing double double header uh, scenario. So it'd be like if you know St Kilda win the flag and then they default or something. like They, fi- they finally like... Empire's yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some, something absurd happens. So, but um, that is round thirteen. Obviously, Brisbane, Carlton, Essen, and the doggies had the bye. Um, yeah, we will do a bit of a preview for round fourteen as well. All the best. Take care. Uh, interesting conversation. Definitely um, pick pick. Send us through some of your favourite tweets that um, appear under the the worst loss of the of the rounds. It's funny, you know, one side note of that is you look at the Gold Coast ones and there's like three comments and it's like, what a piece of shit. This club's a joke. What a rat. And that's it. It's like, it's not even, they're not funny ones. It's just like, wow, this is just being abused. Just so, sort of used to it. Yeah, exactly. It's been going for so long. So anyway, all the best. Goodbye. Hop Enjoy, home. guys.